Alright, so. Jeez, how did we get to this? No. Well, no, it's before that. Um, so I was reading an article on Reddit. I don't, I don't know if we'd call it an article, but it, uh, it linked to some articles and stuff. It was a really well-done um, discussion in the comments. And I think that's why some people don't like Reddit, is it's a little tough to navigate, but that's, I think, why it's hung around, is because you can really get some great comments. And what it was is somebody asked... What's the current equivalent to the oil sands boom 10, 20 years, whatever? I think arguably more so 10 years, the peak being about six, seven years ago. And people threw a bunch of things around. And this being Canada, it's funny because I never really gave it much thought. But there was a few people who mentioned film industry. And now, of course, it's just media period, right? Um, because, I mean, I know people who are making money just helping people uh, <laughs> try to achieve a modicum of success in what would be fame. So what I mean is I was thinking, you know, doing a podcast or uh, a Twitch live stream or even voiceover. I mean, you're acting, right? So I was surprised to see that people were recommending not acting and getting in the film industry, but the amount of money that could be made even just being like a film extra, believe it or not. But say if you had some talent for consultation or what have you, or you had, I don't know, whatever talent it might be that benefits producing arguably what uh, would be the new modern equivalent of a gold rush, right? The amount of money that's being poured into these productions. So fast forward a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think I've mentioned this coming off of 10 years of a depersonalization, derealization. But it was just weird. So uh, what was it? Uh, we've just been watching a couple movies lately. Just, you know, uh, what would you call mental health days? And just by accident, uh, we were looking at Gary Oldman. I that's, yeah. And um, uh, just marveling at what an excellent actor he is. But the big thing that you notice with Gary Oldman is he himself disappears. And I can't remember the name of the actor. He played Lincoln recently. And uh, I don't see it the same as others do. They talk about how great he is and he disappears into the characters. I don't see it that way. I still see him. And the thing that I equated to was Michael Caine. Recently we watched the movie Secondhand Lions. Um, he can play an American uh, but the accent just does. He plays an excellent actor playing an American, but he doesn't disappear into the role. Um, I mean, he, people use the actor, like I said, who played Lincoln. I can't remember his name. He was in um, uh, There Will Be Blood. I mean, he's an excellent actor, but when I see him, it's that actor playing these roles. I mean, excellent, excellent job. But when we look at someone like Gary Oldman, he just disappears into the role. So we were looking, and I was talking about accent initially, and he started talking about accent and, and how he uses it. But what's weird about it is it's not just accent, but we were talking about this in a philosophy chat before, that um, culture and language uh, go hand in hand. So arguably, this is where uh, acting style comes in. Because I wanted to know what it was he was doing that uh, made him change. And so convincingly unrecognizable. 
as a, a person. Okay, so down the rabbit hole we go. So I go and look up because I was pretty sure he was a method actor, but he was doing an interview for True Romance where he has dreadlocks and scars, so he has full makeup, full dreads, and he's just speaking in his normal accent, you know, his, his natural accent. Um, and he's just doing an interview. So from what I understood, these method actors wouldn't be doing something like that. In fact, for Gary Oldman, the reason why I went down this uh, rabbit hole is my understanding with Dracula is that Gary Oldman was quite difficult to work with because he was such a method actor. He embodied the role so much. But so fast forward, I go and look. And yes, he's a Stanislav, and I haven't looked up his other teacher. I think it's uh, Alder, Susan Alder. But uh, so I go down the rabbit hole of Stanislav. I was a little more familiar with Stanislav. So yes, he teaches a system that uh, I think this is where method acting comes in. So what I found most interesting, though, is when I look at the system, it, uh, it's broken down essentially into three paths. Up the center, you have mind, will, feeling, and that goes to what he calls lines of through action. So your proposed super task, right? I love, at the very bottom, subconscious by means of conscious, right? So once again, we have this idea of a sense of self. On one side, he has the inner theatrical sense of self. The other, the outer theatrical sense of self. One's experiencing, one's embodiment. Now, I'm not talking about the system itself. I'm pointing out how this wholly embodies the teachings of a few different systems, right? Because if you look at mind, mind's meant to just experience, or we've talked about this, free energy, it's a predictive matrix. Will, the next step up, call that uh, volition, right? Volition will temper sensory experience and will label it as feeling. I feel rather than experiencing feeling, right? And it goes up the line and that becomes the perspective of the role. Well, of course, because you've changed via consciousness, your subconscious, or in this case, I simply say, you're embodying a different self, okay? So you've stepped away from this entire system of self. I like to point back to the Japanese. They talk about three faces, three masks. And here, Stanislav's system talks about two. So your inner theatrical sense of self, I say, is that sense of self that you cling to, that belief of who you are and the sense of who you are, your, your being, your everything, your, your motivations, your goals, your center, your core. And on the other side is this sense of self, your outer theatrical sense of self. So this projection of who you are, what you want people to see, or what you'd like to be possibly, or what have you. Just another mask. And in the Japanese perspective, this third mask is a mask that you only show yourself. So here's where the Stanislav technique kind of opened up some windows for me. Twofold. One, as I said, this entire Stanislav's technique is arguably just uh, an experiment in minimizing the self by experiencing another self, thereby opening up this window of understanding that 
everything you attach to as yourself is as impermanent or um, arbitrary as an actor's embodiment of a role. But it went one step further and made me realize, if you think about it, a number of actors tend to suffer, particularly some of these method actors, tend to suffer from issues. So I argue these issues, these um, relationship issues and mental health or anything, just look at some of these actors that we can use as examples that, right, particularly some of these method actors that... uh, end up carrying some really weird stuff, possibly from an experience of embodying another self for a role, they tend to carry this weirdness into their personal life. And I've heard a number of interviews where actors will say that, that they have a hard time letting a role go, or they even will come home with a role. And I find it hilarious that we talk about, or they'll talk about how this can be an issue while they're filming or even a little while after, and we forget how this can have a permanent impact on the person, right? What I mean is this sense of self we cling to is actually so arbitrary and so sensitive uh, that just by looking into the nature of self via Buddhism or Vedanta or Shaivism, you can see, honestly, even Christian contemplation is the same. You can see that this sense of self is as arbitrary and impermanent as we talk about. But the secret or the difference between an actor seeing the self as nascent and impermanent and, uh, you know, the difference is in the practice of the nature of self with Buddhism or any of these other systems of thought you are taught that it's not about yourself, it's about all selves, this equanimity, the communion that's in Islam or Christianity or Shaivism or Buddhism or Vedanta or even in the I Ching, so in Confucianism and Taoism, so the hundred schools of thought, yin and yang is also the same, it's not black, it's not white, it's shades of grey. So it's not you, it's not them, it's us. This weird idea, this sense of self isn't real, nor are any sense of selves. We are all one system. So the problem lies, I think, follow me here, that an actor is taught through, for example, Stanislav's method acting or system to embody another person or experience. Right? So to lay your own self, everything you attach to, both your inner self and your exterior self, you lay that aside and you embody yet another individual, another self, an entirely different persona, which can be shocking just in itself, obviously, right? To experience the impermanence or the, uh, the uh, fragility of the self alone. <clears throat> Can be uh, can be shocking, even with a, a uh, with a, a center of understanding. Right, I've talked about this. It's dangerous for someone uh, with trauma, or somebody, say, a teenager, or somebody with uh, issues with a sense of self, to start to play with these not self ideas, because you can be nihilistic, or you can even, you know, go into this depersonalization 
depersonalization, derealization experience that we have seen and we are seeing firsthand on the internet right now. There's a number of um, practitioners uh, who are obviously having some major um, personality issues, uh, but are seeing it as achievements, as enlightenment. Um, but the difference is to see the impermanence of self doesn't mean uh, to deny the existence of the same, right? So you step away from this attachment to self. You can experience equanimity, this oneness of all beings. This is this third jhana and the fourth jhana is when it becomes resident. So in the third jhana, you can experience what it is to be um, a not-self or, or to experience what it is to be one with all of the system or just simply to understand the nature of self is this nascent quality, this um, embodied quality that it only comes about because of this need of intermediary between the mind and our sensory experience. So having a root in this understanding that the self, and I've said this many, many times, but it's true and needs to be said that the self is both our greatest barrier, but also our greatest tool to achieving this liberation. So this liberation is not to have no self. It's to understand that you're not this individual self. You're not a special self. So I think we can see in the method acting system, we can see the teachings, but we can also see the harm. So as I said, I think the mistake for an actor is they'll step away from their own self and embody another self. So they actually experience how impermanent their own self or flexible this idea of self can be. So they'll embody, particularly really good actors, can embody another sense of self. They can really fool us. And that's what I'm talking about here. I'm not just talking about that the, you know, they, they, they put on a good performance. I'm talking about someone who can embody another experience to, to such an extent that they look different and they act different and they speak different. It's just, it's, you see it. You, you, can, you, you know it when you see it. it I would liken it to uh, computer-generated uh, graphics. Uh, uh, it's still quite difficult to completely fool the eye. It's this weird thing. If someone is able to step out of their own selves... Right? and put on another uh, cloak of self, truly embody this, and that's the teachings in the Stanislavski uh, system, is to embody this. Make this fantasy a true experience. But the problem is an actor, when he sheds this cloak of theater, fantasy, as all self is a theater a fantasy, all the world is a stage and we are but players upon it, right? The problem with an actor is he'll shed this new skin and try to don his old skin once again without this core or understanding that just experiencing another self or thereby experiencing the impermanence of your own self, just this experience of not-self, 
This experience is thergionic. Experience of equanimity allows you to have a proper perspective of what this self is. As an actor, without this root, you, you come back from a different character. It could be diametrically uh, opposed to everything you ever felt and completely different identity. <clears throat> and you try to don your old identity again. And these masks just don't seem to fit anymore, right? Arguably, part of the problem could be this individual has kept some aspects or, right, changed. Arguably, definitely changed. Let's be honest, right? This is the teaching that uh, we're not the same people from moment to moment, right? So there's that extra problem that um, if you spend even a moment in another experience that's uh, completely different to what you've uh, always experienced. Right? I give an example of psychedelics. If you think about it, this is the same idea. You walk around experiencing reality a certain way, you take psychedelics, it changes how you experience both your external world and your internal you don't walk away from that unchanged. Some people will deny, but the, the science doesn't lie that, that this change of state that is the most healing. Right? We've seen this. This ability to step out of oneself for even a moment. And that's what I argue that uh, what might be missing in some of these... Uh, these Western con concepts here. We were talking about faith. This is, this is honestly, you can see this in the Stanislavski technique. We can see the mistake of faith in the West. Faith should be commitment, devotion. You can have doubt, but you continue on the path in spite of your doubt. Same as the Stanislavski technique. He lists the goal as a super task. And so he lays out a path to achieve this final goal. But, I mean, it wouldn't be a super task if, if, it's, uh, if its achievement were guaranteed, right? So, once again, we see this because even treading the path within this uh, actor's system gives you the perspective of the role, is what he calls it, right? So, Mind to will to feeling, then it becomes perspective of the role. This is before you achieve your super task. It's no different than Buddhism because you learn the teachings, you understand how to, to manage this for yourself, right? Because that's where it starts. First, you got to understand, then you got to uh, internalize it, right? You got you to learn to apply it for your own needs to your own life because it's all an individual path. But once you have the mind, this is this understanding, you got the will, this is this devotion and commitment, you can have a feeling and learn from it. That's it. That's all you need to do. I've talked about this before. The faith in a system greater than oneself doesn't have to be a god 
It's minimizing the self that gives you this different perspective. If you just simply go, oh, geez, you know what? I'm not sure if I can achieve this goal, but walking this path with commitment and zeal, confidence, I can actually achieve a modicum of success. And that's actually the teaching here, too, is um, you begin with, uh, with transformations, but they're small. I mean, it's no different in what uh, we were talking about before. But long story short, don't want to get yammering on. It's already 20 minutes. But my belief here is within almost any system, but as example, within the Stanislav ski technique, we can see both the benefits and the, the harms, right? If you see actors with a basis in Buddhism and acting, they are much more rooted in this idea because of this sense of self. And I can point to a couple of actors that you can see. There were actors that before they learned this idea of it's not about you, yourself, it's about ourselves, that they were kind of messed up before and after they just changed. I mean, you can see it in a number of our actors today, particularly... Uh, ones that have been acting for a very long time. I'll give you uh, Richard Gere. You can see the change in him after uh, Keanu Reeves. You can see a lot of the material where he learned from this. So I argue that we can use both Buddhism and the Stanislavski technique to see the nature of self and uh, teach people who are not actors how to understand what this system of self is, how to manage our day-to-day um, expectations. But at the same time, there may be some uh, insight for actors to understand why it tends to become so difficult and muddled that their own sense of identity can get lost. Um, right? It's a combination of both. It is such a, a transient thing, but it's also such a, a fragile thing that uh, unless you are um, firm in your understanding of your sense of self is yours, but it's not everything. It's really a difficult concept to, to take on. Um, because we are so, I don't know, we so naturally uh, oppose anything that challenges the status quo, right? It's that change of state. Is it the self standing as a barrier? Is it ourselves? I don't know. That's a good question. But I just wanted to share that. I apologize to get a little long-winded on it. Um, just by accident, it fell down a, a deep, dark hole here, uh, realizing, and the truth of it is, I'm not, uh, I'm not as ignorant as I may, uh, I may seem. Or I understand you can see this teaching in just about everything. But um, with the example of how many actors 
can uh, can actually suffer from this uh, practice. We can see the same with others. I mean, how many times have we seen someone lose their job and their entire identity and it's thrown into uh, crisis? This is something we're going to be seeing a lot of in the very near future. So I think it's important. So on that, have a great day.